Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, my name is Jack Williams and I am here with Essen Kessen. And welcome to another episode of the Knoll Sports Podcast, episode two on the year. Um, Essen, how are we feeling so far? Feeling good, feeling good. You know, um, I think the podcast went well last week. We had some good conversation, got it back rolling, got some good views, good feedback. So we want to bring you guys more content now. Yeah, we're going to do a little bit more um Different content, exclusive content, be a little bit more in-depth and talk about Florida State athletics as a whole. Um, as you saw on Seminole Script, or um, you can see on Seminole Script, that's kind of our weekly ba- breakdown. Solely focused on football. We'll talk about football here a lot, too. But um, we'll talk about soccer here. We'll talk about basketball. Um, we'll talk a little, little bit about baseball as well. We'll cover a lot about athletics, too. But um, you can find all different content in between the two as well. But we'll jump into it right now. We're going to be talking about midseason grades with the football team right now. Um, if you want to kind of follow along with us as we do this, uh, Essen wrote a story at grading Florida State football. How the Seminoles grade after the first half of the 2023 season. We are just over the midway point of the season yeah. right now. Um, Essen, do you want to lead us off? Tell us about your grades that you gave on the football team. Yeah, so, you know, we start off with um, there, it's a 12-game season. And, um, you know, so we're six games in, Florida State 6-0 accomplished what they want to do um i talked a little about that you know mentioned yes the results have been there and we've talked to coaches who've said this as well so it's it's not just us saying this to like you know pick nitpick florida state this is what we're hearing from coaches what we see at practice these grades are indicative of what we see at practice it has nothing to do with what they were where they were two years ago where they were three years ago we don't care about that this is this season this season only what we see and our grades are based off that i consulted jack with these grades before i put them up so Jack, while it's not his grades, he did know the grades and he knows what the process into him. I think he agreed for the most part, right? Yeah, I mean... As if a, there's any disagreement with the grades, we go on. What go it, like Essen said, too, this isn't just me and him just, um, you know, spewing out whatever comes out of our mouths and stuff like this. This is like, this is what coaches are telling us. And, you know, we talk to coaches, you know, we get the coordinators and Norvell once... We get well, we get the coordinators with Norvell once every week, and then we see Norvell probably three, four times after that a week, and then and these then we cons- get the players as well. Yeah, and we get the players as well. And we get all varying perspectives that go into these grades as well. So it's not just what comes off the top of our head is how we're grading this and what our thoughts are as well. And I agree with Essen um pretty much the entire story all the way down. But um we'll get into the grades now. Essen, you gave offense a B starting off on my agree as well uh you a little bit of commentary on um you know what went into your grade <laughs> yeah i mean um you know the offense it, and the, this might seem like a nitpick for an offense that scored 30 points in 12 straight games and you know um averaging they're seventh in the nation with 42.2 point, points like it's kind of it sounds like a nitpick but we have seen the offense during practice we have seen it in uh, against other mess we've seen it like the flashes of it They've left points on the board, like, every game, it seems like. There's a misassignment, a missed pass, or a, 
you know, an errant pass from Jordan Travis, who he admits he's harder on himself than anyone else, you know. So there's been things that the offense can take a next another step. They can be better. They and I know you agree with this is mm. the you have Keon Cole and Johnny Wilson. We haven't seen any of their other wide receivers take off yet. Trey Benson, the last two games has really started running well. You know, um Lawrence Toe Philly had his best game of the year last week. Rodney Hill didn't play last week, but he's been coming along slowly. So there's another level this offense can reach, and Jordan Travis laughed when he said this thing. He's like, It's scary. We don't know the we have not played the best we have not played our best on offense yet, which is scary. It, it should be scary for us. Oh yeah, football. absolutely. They are they are averaging forty two points a game and have not played their best yet. <laughs> Think about that. Like it, it's no, you essence completely correct. I mean, you see obviously you're seeing the highlight real plays from Keon Coleman every week. Jordan Travis, you know, is doing what he's doing in the passing game as well and getting the you know, getting the ball off to Johnny Wilson, stuff like that. And then Trey Benson continues to just pound away at that rushing effort constantly. And then we have to talk about what the Titans have been doing as well, too. I mean, if any in my opinion, if there's any group on offense that's really in my opinion overperforming um it's the tight ends because they've been asked so much you know when the running game was struggling to get going and even when some of the wide receivers out whether if it was keon getting shut down in the game or johnny was getting shut down in the game or it was johnny was out last week you saw the why you saw those tight ends really stepping up whether it was kyle morlock or jaheem bell or marquis Marquiston Douglas or uh, Preston Daniel even too you've been seeing them they've just had a constant all-around role as well there that's a group that has really had to step up but as mentioned SN mentioned excuse me um you we it's really haven't hasn't been expansive beyond that we haven't really seen anyone outside of Johnny and Keon really pop off you know you could talk about how LT is finding his game a little bit more and then that Rodney Hill is getting involved a little bit more but at the same time like it's a lot of Trey Benson on the rushing game. You can even argue it might be, you, you know, you could argue that Jordan Travis might be second or third in rushing on the team right now considering what he's doing too. But, like, the offense, in my opinion, too, just does. It's doing a great job by – absolutely, and SM agrees with that too. It's just the points that they're putting up as well. But it just needs to be a little bit more expansive. expansive. And the coaches and the players, as you said, agree on that. That oh, Like you said, Jordan Travis was like we are having – our offense is not playing up to 100% yet. And I think that's still something FSU needs to tap into. They're playing well, but they could play better. Definitely. And then, you know, one thing – we've gotten emails about this the past two weeks. We'll bring it up that, you know, people think, like, you know, they play turnover-free ball – which is fantastic. I do agree that their turnover free ball is, but I do think it's um it's fantastic. Three straight games without a turnover. What that tells me is, one of my friends we joke about it. Um, it's a turnover fairy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna come and give it. It's gonna take it. Turnover is turnovers are very much luck in di- like base. Like you know, Jordan Travis had a few balls that should have been picked off this year. He'll be the first to admit that. Um. You know, same thing with um, fumbles. Like, there's been a couple times the balls hit the ground, but it's bounced Florida State's way. So when you – yes, not having a tournament three straight games is you're putting yourself in the best possible situation. But I think Florida State's kind of been lucky in that aspect as well. So that, we'll get to that later. But I think the key to the game for against Duke is do not turn the ball over because they are a ball-hawking team that can turn the ball over. But um, just for grades-wise, yes, they deserve credit for not turning the ball over. But – I'm weary of that because I think it's a luck thing. I think it's a thing like, you know, aggression thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm weary of that. I, I know people are telling us to put, um, put ink about that. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I, that's more luck than it is talent. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Turnovers, I mean, it's just, I mean, it, it's honestly, a. you could argue it's a blip in every, 
in the play. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just about being at the right place at the right time, too, and picking them up. And then, you know, um, it's just about, it's kind of just executing in the moment, honestly. It's a momentary type of thing as well, as you mentioned. And that's actually a great transition to go defense, which... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually also gave a B because, talking about turnovers and, like, you know, look... Um, this was like Kalen Dillard put himself in a great position with that sack at Clemson. He sacked him, picked up the ball. Um, the ball bounced right to him. He took it for in for a score. So um, since that time, it's kind of funny. Since that time, Florida State, um, that was a lo- they did not allowed another point to Clemson that game. Um, they allowed was it thirteen points of ten points of Virginia Tech on on defense. They had a kick pick six. Uh, the sorry, the kick return, the kickoff return, mm-hmm. and then um, since then that point, Florida State's defense has allowed thirteen points, thirteen offensive points in nine quarters. Mm-hmm. So the defense gets a B, but if you want to break it down to like the last three games, they get an A. But the start of the season with the defense was a like major question mark. So it's overall body of work. We go with the B right now. They are improving. They are showing their potential. Um, all the questions about Adam Fuller and, you know, um, <laughs> it's it's hilarious. Once One thing goes wrong. Fire Adam Fuller. Yeah. It's... Everything's back to normal. Oh, yeah. Adam Fuller's a good coach. Like, guys, make up your mind. Mm-hmm. Adam Fuller is a good coach. It. I think it's one thing he mentioned earlier this year is um, 2023 college football, it's hard to not give up points. The game is set up to give up points. The game is set up that you're gonna, you know, give up touchdowns. You're gonna give up points. You're gonna, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's just the way it's set up. But yeah, where you thought, you know, be great. What do you think? I, I mean, like looking at it the first time, I remember I was kind of weary because I was like, I don't know if the defenses are be. But then you think about how the defense has been playing, you know, from the beginning of the season to now. They're playing really well right now. I'd argue, but in the beginning of the year, especially against, you know, games like Boston College, um, uh. You know, there's some games where the opponent was a little too close. Clemson. For, for what, Clemson, yeah, for, the first half they dominated. Oh, yeah, no, for what Florida State is and what they're supposed to be and what they're they're hyped up to be, it didn't look like the defense was performing, I feel like, now. And we're really going to see it. We're really going to see it when Duke comes up. It's That's going to be really one of the bigger tests. But um, it wasn't where it should have been, and now I feel like it is where it's at right now, which I think pulls that grade up to a B as much as people might not want to hear it. But, I mean – this is a group, in my opinion, too, with the defense that you have a lot of depth here. And I think it's finally starting to, um, you know, finally starting to find its rhythm and its beat and really try becoming the beast that it is. I still think that we still need to see a little bit more from the defensive backs in the secondary. I mean, I don't there really hasn't been someone that's really emerged from that. Um, you could argue that there's, you know, a couple of guys back there that have really shown up. But there isn't anybody like, you know, there isn't like a Jared Verse who is dominating on defensive end. There isn't anybody at, there isn't like, like, like Kalen Deloach at linebacker who's really up, like taken over that position as well too. Also got to talk about at linebackers. Well, this was a position that had a lot of questions coming into it. And it's been basically, in my opinion, it's been the most um, explosive position on defense, in my opinion, just what we saw, what Kalen um, Deloach did against Clemson. And just, it's just been very intense and, just them being able to stop any sort of passing plays have been going on and disrupt everything. But the defense, in my opinion, it's coming up and stuff like that. I think this could, this will be, you know, I think this could has potential to reach an A by the end of the season. I think, so. um, I think the defense is playing really well, but 
I think the B grade works because of where it was earlier this year. No, I mean, um, one player I think we talked a little about, um, I want to talk a little about two things. Um, on Fentrell Cyprus, transfer from Virginia. Uh, his first few games, he was he was fine. He was okay. He was good, you know. He's really come on re- lately where um, he's played a lot better. Um, in my PFF story this week, which I had up, um, Cyprus had his best game. He um, was targeted eight times this game. Gave up three receptions for 38 yards. Had a t- two pass breakups and finished with the passer, NFL passer rating of 53.1 per PFF. So he had a really good game. He he looked the part of the number one shutdown corner that they got one out of the transfer portal. So if he keeps emerging, that you that's a Jared versus the secondary, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. He he's the he's player the playmaker. That, he could that's the player that could really own that position. Greedy Vance had an interception. Um Jerry and Jones has been solid. We've seen we've seen Kevin Knowles have really good practices and stuff like that. I think he just needs to transition that a little Definitely. bit over to the game as well. But um And then the other thing we're gonna talk about, third down defense. Um just think about this, okay? Florida State right now, teams are twenty eight of eighty eight on third downs against Florida State, which is thirty two percent. That ranks 18th in the nation, 4th in the ACC. There was a stretch of two games where they went 18 of 33. Opponents went 18 of 33 against Florida State. 55%, which was ranked 129th out of 130th in college football. That's like Florida asked last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, so, take out, like, I just did the math. Take out the, take out the two-game struggle, and obviously the quality of opponent goes way down. Oh, so yes, yes. Grain of salt, Southern, mm-hmm. it, you, uh, it's L- I mean, one is LSU, but you deserve credit for that one. But yeah. Southern Miss, Virginia Tech, and Syracuse are not world beaters in offense. So right, right. You take some points off for that, but still, 18% um, com- um, conversion rate on third down against Florida State's defense when you factor those opponents in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we'll get into it later again when you know, I'm bringing up Duke again, but... Mm-hmm. That's going to be the best team to play. No, it's we're going to really get a lot of answers and clarification in this next game coming up against Duke. I mean, it's it's honestly it's interesting because this is really kind of the the uh, I'm trying to think of a word of it, kind of the peak opponent in this stretch for Florida State because you go with you start with for ever since that Clemson game, which um, you could argue too about Clemson as well as a team that's hitting outside the tw- top twenty five, still not ranked. But then you went from Virginia Tech to Syracuse, then you go up to Duke. And don't go up to Duke, but Duke is your next opponent, and then all of a sudden it's back down to you know Wake Forest and then Pitt, and then which Pitt could be like we're, we're looking ahead a little bit, but Pitt could be interesting because they just knocked off Louisville. Like it makes no you, you, yeah, you could already, and it's a road game, and we don't really we haven't Florida State in the road games that they've had this year haven't looked great. You know there was the you know the almost collapse against you know Boston College, and then. There was the, you know, Grand and Clemson's, its own environment, stuff like that. But still, that was that the was best very, college in it, it was still an extremely yeah. tight game. Um, you, I would not count uh, LSU as a away game. It was a neutral no, no. site That's game. Neutral, it was pretty much a home game for FSU. Game. But we'll really see what FSU looks like on the road coming up as well. And if Wake Forest and um, Pitt will be a problem. And then at the end of the season, there's Florida there. That's the toughest game on the schedule. And Florida, mm-hmm. like, you know, what's up? Well, we'll get back to the grades in a second, but yeah, Florida yeah. is going to be a tougher than expected game. Graham Mertz has been better than expected. Florida's 5-2 and two with an win, uh, impressive win at South Carolina last week, comeback win. But um, uh, um, defense, anything else you want to add? No, I, th- I think we pretty much covered it. We'll jump into some, um, your only A that you gave. Um, I agree. <laughs> Spoiler. I mean, I, I mean, well, I mean, I mean this, this, this special teams unit, which is what got an A, it's just been, they've just done their job all around. You can argue that. 
it, it, you got to give credit, so much credit to um, Ryan Fitzgerald and just from what the year he had last year to now. And then you have to just talk about talk about your job and doing just going above and beyond. You have to talk about what Alex Mastromano has been doing at the punting game. Um, I just gave you two names out there doing a fantastic job. Um, you could pick who you want to touch on first, whether it's Ryan or um, uh, Alex. Yeah, no, let's um, talk about Ryan first. Okay. 7-7 seven of seven this year, two field goals from 48 yards out. Mm. Um, you know, he's perfect on all 39 attempts this year, which is notable because he went 12. He didn't miss any extra points last year, but he went 12 of 20 on kicks last year. Was a major struggle. There was at points like, you know, you saw Norvell, fourth and six, fourth and seven, longer distance. It was like, all right, we're just going to keep the offense out here. Mm-hmm. Now, by by nature, Norvell's a more aggressive coach, which we've seen. Yeah. Which we, he went for twice on fourth down in Syracuse territory, which – I know people are mad. Were mad about that. I don't. I didn't agree with the play call, but I think they were the right decisions to call each time. You know, you don't get cute. Yes, Jaheim Bell is really talented, but um, Jordan Travis is the, ball, the guy who had the ball. But that's besides right, the point. Right, right, right. Let's get back to special teams. But yeah, um, so forty-eight yard field goal against Clemson. He trusted him. Forty-eight yard field goal against Syracuse. There was a lot less st- at stake, and it was you know it was fine, but. That's like once again it was Syracuse, so he could easily be like, you know what, let's give the offense a shot. No, he's like, no, I have faith in my kicker. I'm setting him out, let him kick it, and he proved him right. Seven of seven this year. I know earlier in the year people were questioning, like, oh, he's, he's kicking everything below thirty yards, not a big deal. Well, there you go, there's your answer, right? Yeah, Fitzgerald, you, you, you got the, yeah, you got the answer. Ryan Fitzgerald is legit, um, <laughs> and it's good for him. You know, I saw a kid last year who was struggling. With his confidence, like kicking is a very, very mental game, mm-hmm. where you're, you yes, you have teammates, but you're kind of by yourself and in your head, own head. So good for him. We go back to Alex Mastromano, who is mm-hmm. averaging forty seven yards, forty seven point six yards per punt this season, which would break the um, previous record by Sean Powell. So he's had, he's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have uh, they have a, they had a kickoff return against them, which we knocked for you know. Which yeah. is why it's not an A plus. Yeah, yeah. This could have been A plus. Like like you know oh. um they had a um kickoff return against them. They've had a few penalties called them. Keon Coleman had a but Keon Coleman's had a kickoff return. So I think overall in this group, the reason I gave him an A is I think that good really, really outweighs the bad. Mm-hmm. And it's not close. Like the defense and the offense I think it's a little closer. Special teams, this has been like, you know, Mike Norvell has harped on this at Memphis. He's harped on it here now and this is the best the special team has looked under him and it's only getting better yeah and i think i honestly think it's just in college football and in fans just you might have you in college football but just football at every level i think people will always be extremely hard on the special teams because i think it's a common thought that people think they don't do much considering that it's special so they're not out there as much but i mean this has been a unit and as has said as they mentioned he docked accordingly about the kickoff return uh, from virginia tech for the touchdown um it's one it's honestly one blip in the whole thing i mean when you're talking about your your field goal kicker you're talking about ryan who's made just about everything and you talk about alex Mastrano, who is the top i believe he's the top hunter in the acc right now i believe so I, that double check if not that, top but. three um but yeah he's definitely one of the top ones but you definitely say that with the you know. Oh, he's, he's he's in that mix in the in the national rankings as well too. When you're talking about a guy that is averaging half a football field on on punt return, he's changing the field every time he kicks the ball. He is, and then you talk about you know too one of the honestly the most athletic weapon they have on this roster, Keon Coleman, who mentioned in the press conference prior to this when he's at Michigan State, he didn't return punts. 
This wasn't a thing he did. This no, was he, the thing he started here at Florida State. He didn't name him by name, but we'll drop his name in here. Jaden Reed, yeah. wide receiver, Green Bay Packers. He's an NFL, so I know my friend here, Jack, is not a um, Packers fan at all. I, know, I was born and raised in, around <laughs> Chicago, but anyway. So it, it hurts him to bring up a Packers. Much, much respect for any college player that's able to go up into the NFL and yeah, continue definitely. their game up there, absolutely. But yeah, so he was behind Jaden Reed, who did not return a punt for a kick last year, touchdown last year, but had, I think, three the year before. So extremely talented, super short in that. So I'm sure Keon Coleman picked up some stuff from him. Yeah. Because... He's bringing it over here, and he's he's gonna be he's gonna break one next soon. Oh no no no! He he's he's banging on that door for just you know taking one right to the house and stuff like that. It's gonna be interesting if they're gonna be able to do this against Duke or not too, because this is a uh, special teams unit that is also very successful as well. Again, we'll we'll hold off on that yeah. for now. I know there's a there's a lot of implications coming up in this Duke game, but any of the special teams just been playing just extremely well in my opinion. I think an A is warranted. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, this is actually a smooth transition again. Because on special teams, if Keon does return one, we're gonna see Mike Novell probably running with him, which right. we joked about. Absolutely. Which brings us to the coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah you so um I think it was your one minus grade in here. Um Coaching got a B minus. Um, S and K. I, I, I think people might have some opinions about that. Just seeing a minus attached to it, but um, you know, minus aren't aren't always bad. It's still a B. But anyway, S and take us through your grade. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so we go back to like you know the offense and defense. They're Bs because of lack of execution from players at different times. But I think you can put that in the coaches as well. So when you have two units that are just Bs. I could have given the coaching staff a B, but I gave a B minus because I think there's some decisions. Um, we talk about play calling. Like, people are getting mad at me, like, you know, for the B minus. I've already gotten some comments like, how can you be that low? But B minus, um, play calling has been questionable at times. It's been vanilla at times. I think there's better play calling, to ha- the better plays they have for the personnel they have. The defense has not been aggressive all the time. They've been more aggressive the past few games. So, mm. overall, the offense and defense, like, when you mix all that in, the coaching staff gets knocked a little bit because guess who's in charge of these players? Guess who's giving these players plays on the field? So, mm-hmm. yes, you can blame the execution, but as Atkins pointed out and we talked about a little bit earlier, is this is a process-oriented thing. And if you ask Mike Norvell, he'll be the first one to tell you. He might even give himself a C. Like, yeah. Honestly, if you ask Mike Norvell today, what, what grade would you give yourself as a coach for this year? He'd probably say C, C+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Just that's how he is. So... We're going to get, judge them in the same way. We're not going to be like, you know, it, that's how it, it's going to be. Like, you know, there's – Florida State had two turnovers on downs inside the Syracuse territory last week. Mm-hmm. And settled a field for a field goal inside the Syracuse 5. That's major points off, left, left, left on the board. Mm-hmm. You know, as you mentioned, too, that it's good that this coaching staff, staff is, um, you know, critical of its own self, as we've seen from, you know, Adkins talking about the missed assignments and Norvell talking about the missed assignments and stuff like that to Fuller breaking down what went wrong against Boston College and stuff like that. Like, it, they're, they're 6-0 right now. They could easily be – staff be like, well, everything's going great right now and we don't need to talk about it. This is a staff that has been very – you know, at the same time, they don't want to get – you know, so infatuated and so, you know, into the whole we're 6-0 and right now, everything's going perfect. They want to break things down as well, too. And I, I will – I agree with us, too, with the coaching as well, too. It's, you know, sometimes they've been a little bit reserved in what they do. And, you know, um, in my opinion, there's something I wanted to bring up with the offense as well, but it just kind of skipped my mind until I remembered it now. Um, we haven't really seen the explosive and, you know, the type of Jordan Travis that we had seen last year. You know, he's doing his job and stuff like that, and he's passing the ball and he's completing, 
you know, he's doing enough to win, but we haven't seen, you know, those crazy Houdini plays from Jordan Travis this year as well. I think, and like they said, they don't feel like the offense is playing up to its standard just yet. No, like we talked about the, they're not sustaining drives. Um, mm-hmm. Going back to offense, um, because this is goes hand in hand, mm-hmm. the FSU's offense is averaging 65.3 plays per game this year. 101st in the nation. Last year, they were 70, averaging 70.6 plays per game, which is 60th in the nation. That might not seem like a lot, but that is a lot. That's mm-hmm. um, chances, like, you know, especially when you have, like, in the, I'm going to get to the next stat I had in here. Florida State's offense is not hitting explosive plays either, which could be because of lack of opportunities. Um, but last year, they were second in the nation with 97 plays of 20 yards or more. This year, they're tied for 34th with 34. Mm-hmm. Although they have 20 in the past two games alone, so it's starting to come along. It's looking a little better, but once again, quality of opponent doesn't mm-hmm. matter as well. So, But still, the the offense is capable of more. The defense is capable of more. Papuchas, if we're just grading individual coaches, probably gets an A, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, no, he's doing his job, absolutely, with the yeah. special teams. So, but yeah, Norvell, um, if we're going to break it down like, a little further, <laughs> B, B-, minus, and um, C+. Plus. For who gets the C plus? Sorry, C plus for Norvell. B my B for um B minus for um for Fuller. Mm-hmm. B for um um Atkins and then um A for Papuchas. Yeah, that weighs out pretty well. And then we'll get to your final overall grade that you had over here for the team, which was a um a B, which makes sense. I think that I think looking forward and you know it's this is kind of like the midterm and then the finals at the end of the season, but I feel like. I feel like an A is achievable for this group. Um, they, you know, they're starting to. I think they're starting to hit their stride a little bit more, as you mentioned, quality of op- opponents. However, um, these last few games, but I mean, if they continue to play a consistent game the same way they played Syracuse as they do against Duke, and then so on, I feel like we can see a second half of the season where Florida State really turns into that dominant power. I mean, they are undefeated, but I mean, we could really see them turn into a dominant team. I mean, this is a team that's capable of scoring. Let's say fifty six points a game, mm-hmm. and holding opponents to like ten or less every game. If if they really found their groove and it's it, they're capable of doing that. So yeah, that's crazy to say in college football these days. But that's how good this team could be. The potential is, um, but yeah, let's um, you want to move it like so. Well, I mean, you, yeah. Well, moving into it, I mean, if you want to call it kind of a um, you know uh um. You want to call it kind of a test, a pop quiz. Not really a pop quiz because I'm preparing for it, but the test coming after this midterm is Duke. I mean, it's, this it's, one counts for thirty percent of your grade for the semester. It, 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 quite, <laughs> quite literally, will Duke ranks as the sixteenth best total defense in the country? Their fourth best scoring defense in the country, second best red zone nationally. Um, you know, you talk about Riley Leonard, if and then we'll talk about if he's going to play or not. But I mean, this is a team that. It's bringing a lot to the table. You could argue, and I know fans will argue, Duke doesn't have the you know the college football. You want to talk about college basketball? It's all over the place, but they don't have the name notoriety this year like LSU and Clemson did. But at the same time, in my opinion, this is this is the biggest challenge FSU will face this year so far, and just this defense it's going to place. And depending on whether or not Riley Leonard comes in this game, this could be a whole complete game that FSU will get challenged top to bottom in. Yes, I mean, Florida State has not played a complete game four quarters since they played five quarters in that game against Clemson. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. So that was almost a month ago, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So this is going to be the first time they really be pushed. So that's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, especially I really hope Brandon Leonard plays because I want to see Florida State tested. I want to see the best possible game played at primetime ABC game. Mm-hmm. 
it's gonna be a, it could be a fun game. You know, Ryan Leonard's talented, like I mentioned earlier. He's second on the team in rushing, has done for a, deep, a good amount of yards this year. Is a very talented player. Yeah, and I think I think this could be a game that's going to really shove the offense to expand a little bit more. As we mentioned before, you know, we it's kind of been you know Johnny Wilson and uh, Keon Coleman um, at wide receiver, and it's been Trey Benson kind of at running back. But I feel like this kind of game with the defense that's coming forward with Duke will kind of force FSU that we need to explore every option here. And ha- and granted, against Syracuse, we did see a lot of guys get action and be a part of. Um, the final result there, but against Duke, you're not only going to need those guys not just to be putting involved and saying, yeah, I got in the field and I recorded 10 rushing yards or 10, 10 yards on reception, but you're going to need to got the guys to produce, find the end zone. Because what happens when you have two Duke, you have Duke players double teaming Johnny and Keon and they're eliminated from the game in that situation as well. And then, you know, we've had this the whole conversation throughout the year too of whether, you know, they'll double team Keon or they'll double team Gian. Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> but they one one gets open and that was kind of what we're seeing at the beginning of the year and now it's kind of expanded to both of them but um you know talking about how good this duke defense i mean we might need to see you know someone else at wide receiver pop up as well i mean this is a very very dangerous defense that they will be definitely need, need cannot turn the ball over like we talked about earlier which is partly luck you know um mm. you gotta hope the luck varies down your side gotta um you know just play your best game overall. Be, there's gonna be no slacking off this game because, as Jordan Travis mentioned, they don't miss assignments. They're gonna be they're gonna be all over the place. They're gonna be they're gonna hit you. And the other side of the ball, you know, we have Leonard. Um, his stats: sixty percent of his passes completed, nine hundred twelve yards, mm-hmm. three touchdowns, one interception. So that doesn't look great on paper, but you have to remember Notre Dame Clemson on the schedule. So right. But he's also the second leading rusher with forty seven rushes, thirty three hundred forty five yards, four touchdowns. So. Dual threat in every sense of the way is going to test the FSU FSU's defense because they struggled against running quarterbacks in the past, and he's not one of those quarterbacks like you know where you take away his running game. He's, he can pass the ball through, so he's a dual threat in every sense. He's going to be a threat against us in this game if he plays. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't play, we have his backup <laughs> Henry Belen, the fit fourth. Um, he's a very talented, like, he's, he's an impressive 6'3", 210 pounds. Yeah. Um, like, we talked about earlier, 4 for 12 passing, 170 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception against, um, NC State last week. Um, so, limited sample size. Well, the question I have, too, is if Belen comes into the game, is FSU's goal going to be to force them to pass the ball from then on out? I mean, after only attempting 12 passes against, um... At NC State last week. So that'd be interesting because, like, the way um, Mike Elko talked, and I could just be coach speaking about his players because, you know, that's how that is. But they sound confident that the offense could be opened up with him. They don't, like, I think once again, that was NC State. They jumped ahead. They knew their defense was going to do the job. They're not going to open the playbook. It's going to be very vanilla. They're not going to do anything ahead of Florida State. <clears throat> so I don't, I think, yes, you could look at that tape and see what his tendencies are, what he does. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that tape's going to tell you much about what they're going to do against Florida State. Mm. No, I, well, I think it's it's going to be an entertaining game no matter what. As SM mentioned, I agree with him too um, that I'm hoping to see that Riley Leonard will come back because um, it's go- that will just make the game 
exciting, more exciting than it's already going to be. And I'm, I'm really, I'm very interested about how FSU's offense is going to attack this defense because this is going to be the biggest. I've said it like five times in this podcast already, but um, this will be the biggest challenge that they will face this year on defense. All right, predictions. Predictions. Um, let's. I'm trying to remember what I said earlier. Yeah, I. Um, I think this is going to be a close game either way. I do think the FSU offense is going to be able to pull it out here, and I think they're going to get a little boost from their kicker. I think Ryan Fitzgerald is going to stay perfect on the year. Um, I have a 31-21 result in favor of the Seminoles. All right, so I think I have a close game as well. I'd like the line open at 14 points, so I think if Leonard does not play, and I'm I'm saying this, I'm going with the assumption he's playing because uh-huh. that's what FSU's going with. Right, well, that's what I'm on too. Yeah. I'm going 27-20 Florida State wins. Okay. Um, it's been a close game throughout. Florida State wins. Um, it's going to be leading throughout, but it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. The Duke, they're never going to be able to pull away from Duke. Mm-hmm. The Blue Devils are going to be there the entire time, so I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, is FSU missing the extra point, or are they missing the two-point conversion? No, it's going to be uh, two field goals and... Two field goals. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. The math is always very interesting on these predictions. Yeah. You can get you can get there in so many different Three ways. Three touchdowns and two field goals. Yeah, so. exactly. How many safeties? None. None? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll switch gears now. Soccer. Talk about soccer. Soccer, number one team in the country right now. Um, I mean, we really saw them look like the number one team in the country. Well, against, man, that was impressive against Notre Dame. Against the number 11 team in the co- country as well. I mean, there's... Just the way they're able to just – it looks like they're playing chess out there, honestly. The way they organize the field and the way they set things up and the way they're just able to tack and run. Um, yeah, I'm just – I'm about to talk about a player that even score that night. And just, just the with the speed she has, her field ability, the way she's able just to find the ball and get all these opportunities. I mean Jordan Dudley um, – I'll I will I will say this completely. Um, she is she is the top freshman in the country right now. Just the way she's able to create chances, how fast she is. That's that was the big thing when you watch her just take off and run. She was so fast when she would get to these opportunities. Um, I don't have her height right now on the top off the top of my head, but the stride that she has, she's able to get downfield so quickly. And then the opportunity she had, she had a ton of opportunities against Notre Dame. The Notre Dame goaltender was all on top of her. Uh, but um, who made up for that was um, Oni Ejikini. Uh, Said it right that time, yes. right? Yes. She um scored two goals on the night. She is also tied with Jordan for goals on the team as well. They both have eight. I believe that is good enough for fourth in the ACC. Uh, let me pull up it really quickly. I just yes. wrote it down. Fourth, fourth in the ACC. ACC. Um, so they're I mean they're getting their job done up there as well. Taylor Huff has been you know one of, one of the bigger transfers they've really picked up from Tennessee. She's fourth in the ACC right now in assists. She has been a ace in the corner when it's come to dropping in those corner kicks and. Stuff like that. Jody Brown, um, I believe she's she's placed with the Jamaican national team as well. And you gotta talk about the national team talent on this roster too. You have all different players that were over at the World Cup as well. Uh, Jody Brown had just come back to from uh, playing against Canada for the uh, Olympic qualifier, and then she came back and she's still producing constantly with Florida State as well. She's fourth in game winning goals. Um, Taylor Huff is tied for first two with three. Um, Jody Jody Brown has. Um, Two. Oh my god, I'm running out of uh, saliva here as I keep talking. But and then points, um 
Jordan Dudley's up there, Ejikini's up there as well, Taylor Hoff's up there, and then you got to give a shout out to Christina Roque as well. Um, okay. Roque and what she's doing too. I mean, she's uh, ranks fourth in goals against average at 8.33, um, 0.833, excuse me, and she has six shutouts on the year as well. Um, Tucker's just a very interesting sport because the stats are very spread out, um, and uh, but she's been, uh, Roque's just been doing a great job as well. Um, this is a team that is just rolling right now they played a fantastic game against notre dame number 11 team in the country number 12 this week um you talk about the other results they've had too they tied carolina on that stunner that happened in the final three seconds one of the most electric fine goals i've seen in college soccer um they came back against two nothing down against clemson were able to come back and win that game four two and they're getting in my opinion um, it's a big week for Florida State teams and get, getting challenges this weekend. Uh, I don't know if it's the biggest challenge we've seen this year, but it will be de- debatably in the top three. They're taking on a Pittsburgh team that this team knows how to score the ball so well. You have Amanda West, Sarah uh, Shapensky, uh, S- Samia Parihi. Excuse me, I'm mispronouncing these three names, or but they are just dominant. They they are they know how to get the ball in the net. They know how to score the ball. And they are going to be a huge offensive threat in this game. And it's going to push. It's going to really, really push this Florida State defense. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a great game on Thursday against these two teams. Yeah, I mean, um, so you, like you mentioned, the talent both teams have. Um, you have Keith's game. We'll get to in a second. But this is a major game for ACC standings again. Like Just like Notre Dame was last week. If you look at the top of the standings, Florida State is 11-0-1, 6-0-1 in ACC. But Pittsburgh is 5-1-1, one, one. Clemson's 5-1-1, one, one. Notre Dame's 5-1-1. One, and, one. and then North Carolina is a little further back, 4-0-3. So, but they are alive because, let's say, um, somehow Pitt knocks off Florida State here. I mean, yeah, Pitt knocks off Florida State this week. You potentially have a four-way tie for first place with UNC probably, they win their match one point back. It's going to be a jumbled mess. It's going to change the um, if you know the implications of Florida State can host or not for the ACC. It's going to change if they're number one seed overall, where they're going to rank. So you, it's a must-win. I mean, every game is a must-win game when you have as few games Florida State has in their schedule this year. Yeah, and I mean, there's this could be a chance. Again, as Essa mentioned, it's extremely tight, but this could be a chance for Florida State to inch by inch pull away. I mean, I'm looking at just trying to do the math quickly. Yeah, um, Florida State wins this one. They have two matches left. They have a two game lead on Pittsburgh, based essentially the tiebreaker. Mm. Clemson have they played? They beat them already. And Notre Dame, they beat correct. Yes, they beat Notre Dame. Yeah, no, yeah, everyone except for North Carolina. They've beat. so they've been tied with North UNC, which mm. I think at that point with 22 points with two games left, UNC's kind of mathematically. I don't know how many ACC games they have left, so. I've, but I'm guessing they would be mathematically out of it mm. for winning it if Florida State wins this one. So they would eliminate UNC from the conversation of being, um, you know, finishing winning ACC, which is a major thing always. Yeah. Um, you have a, essentially a two-game lead on Pitt, which means you need one more win. If Cle- um, and you have essentially, um, depending on what Clemson and Notre Dame do, you have a one-game lead on them. Mm-hmm. Essentially a two-game lead on them. Sorry, it would be a three-game lead on Pitt. So they would, Pitt would be eliminated as well if you're looking at the math. Uh, with two losses, two game lead on Pitt, three three games with the tiebreaker, then you have a one game maybe eight, counts as a two game lead on Pitt on Clemson Notre Dame, so you have a chance really this this weekend to put the ACC away. Where next Thursday you're just playing because for the number one seed and making sure you are 
you could probably just play some younger players and just get them in there. But you're playing for more more postseason seating than ACC state seating because you already got locked up. They do their job this um, Thursday against Pittsburgh and Saturday against Duke. They could lock this up and not have to worry about you know. Well, like Duke down the road too. Breakers. Yeah, yeah, and you have Duke coming up as well. Um, and you do, and that's again that's another equation you don't want to fall into because you go if you lose to Pittsburgh, then you immediately have to go over to Duke, which is I think that's NC UNC's only tie of the year. Um, no, I'm sorry. That's Florida State. Excuse me. It's one. Um, some there was a I can't remember who it was, but Duke handed um, uh, someone. It was either a tie or a loss. Um, in the schedule, Duke. I, Duke is not a team. To, but just laying it out there, so I'm not falling over myself continuously. But um, Duke is a team that you don't want to sleep on, and this is going to be a very. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a very. Um, uh, important stretch for Florida State and as as I mentioned they can easily just clean up business here they could win it win at Pittsburgh have don't have to worry about Duke could win out there and continue to pull away and lock up postseason seating as well let's see where what Duke did they um, They tied at UNC so they're coming along lately they have a only a 1-1 tie with Virginia only a 2-1 loss to Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh they tied um, UNC at home and then they lost to number seven Clemson one zero. So they played some tight contests. One nil. One nil. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's it's an exciting stretch for this team, and um, you know they're taking it game by game as well too. But you got yeah, as you mentioned, you got to think about what's what's ahead in the postseason. Definitely. But um, but, um we'll transition off of. Well, you know, we're gonna wrap this up today. Um, okay. Next time we'll get some basketball for you guys, but um, we'll be at practice hopefully for men's today. Women's next week, mm-hmm. but um, we'll get some basketball content for you next week. Um, Jack, where can, where can they find us? Yeah, absolutely. You can find us at um, Null Sports just about everywhere, whether it's on X slash Twitter or it's on Facebook or Instagram. All of that handle stays the same. You can find all of our content at Tallahassee.com. Uh, you can find our individual accounts on X slash Twitter. Mine is at Jack G. Williams, S is S on S and Kasim underscore. And Kasim. Um, and then again, Noble Sports just about everywhere. But yeah, then we'll wrap it up today. Thank you so much for joining us and um, keep checking us out. Thank you. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.